Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email to amen at theexchangechurchhouston.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Keltz. In this message, you will be encouraged and challenged as you see what it means to get off your donkey and live a life full of compassion. Wow, what an awesome illustration of, of what we've been talking about in these last two weeks about getting off our donkey and living a life full of compassion. And that compassion that's inside of us, it all of a sudden causes us to act. You know, when I first saw that video, um, I teared up a little bit. I got a little emotional. I was, I was kind of looking around at some of the guys over there, and uh, some of you guys were, <laughs> I'm not crying, it's my allergies. <laughs> and it's, it's that one part where the, the young man, he goes, you know, to give some money to this, this mom and, and her daughter, and, and the daughter's not there, and then he looks over and he sees her, and, and he's been able to provide for her to get an education. And it does. I, I, I tear up a little bit. I get a little emotional. I think all of us do. I think we, we all kind of felt it in that moment. And let me tell you the reason why. The reason why is because we were all created in the image of God. And that feeling that you feel on the inside of you, that is that image of God. It's relating to another person. How many know that people matter? People count. People are awesome. And God put it inside of us because he created all people and loves all people. Everybody say all. all. Come on, say it like me. All. all. He loves all people. And now we love all people. And we've been in this series for the last couple weeks. Uh, if you missed any of it, please go to our Facebook page. In fact, right now, go ahead and get, get, get your phones out. Check in today, please, on our, on our Facebook page. Uh, we've been putting up our, our, last week we had a video that we got to put up going live stream for the first time. Um, also, we put up our podcast, and Pastor Jared killed it last week. Wasn't that an awesome message they talked about where we, we're, we're talking about getting off our donkeys, and sometimes we, we get to a place where we start to find loopholes. And I laughed, but at the same time, it hit me. It hit me hard, like, yeah, Pastor, sometimes I do that. And so please, if you missed it, get on our Facebook, like those uh, podcasts, and please share them. That helps us be able to get free advertisement out to the, to the masses through Facebook. But we're in this new series. This is the third week of it, and we're talking about this story from the, 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 the Bible that uh, most of us have ever heard of. It's called the Good Samaritan. And in this story, this, this young man, he's, he's riding along the road, and he sees a man in need, and he gets off his donkey. Everybody say, get off your donkey. He gets off his donkey, and he goes, and he helps. He's, he has compassion to act. I'm going to ask you guys to stand this morning for the reading of the word. We're going to once again be in Luke 
chapter 10, and we'll put it up on the Sky Bible for you. Luke chapter 10, verse 33 says this, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where this man was. And the previous verses tell us that there was a priest and a Levite, went down the same road, saw the same guy who was in need, and they kept on walking. What well, says right here that when he saw, everybody say saw. That's very important. If you're taking notes today, if you have a highlighter on your, on your phone, go ahead and, and highlight that word. If you're writing it down in your Bible, take your highlighter, highlight that word, saw. He saw him. He took pity on him. Verse 34, and he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He helped this guy out. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and that's, that's where we get it. He got off his donkey to help him, and he put this man on his donkey. He humbled himself. He served this man. He put this man on his own donkey, and he brought him to an inn, and there he took care of him. Let's, let's pray this morning. Father, this morning, I thank you for uh, your, the power of your word. And Lord, I just want to thank you this morning for giving me the ability to preach and teach. I, I thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to have entrance into the hearts of your people. And I believe, Lord, that you sent me here with a specific assignment. And I ask that you would use my mouth as your instrument to be able to do your will. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you would help me unpackage and deliver the prophetic word of the Lord. And Lord, I pray this morning, all of us would take a moment just to open up the eyes and the ears of our hearts. We pray for nothing less than transformation this morning. We pray that we would be transformed this morning by the renewing of our minds. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release something inside of us that would cause an eternal response. And we ask this today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 You can be seated this morning. I have a question for you guys. Who here, by just show of hands, has ever heard of Craigslist before? Craigslist, all right? Who loves Craigslist? I do. I love, I love a deal. I love to find a deal. Uh, you know, you can go and to the store, and you can see this costs this much, but then you can get on Craigslist, and you can find it for cheaper. And I love, I get that from my dad. I love to find a deal. Uh, I've used Craigslist to buy things. I've also used Craigslist to sell some stuff. Uh, we sold some, some uh, sports equipment not too long ago on there, and it was awesome. So it, it took my money, but it also gave me money. And in Craigslist, I tell you this, last week I found something that I had never seen before. Have you ever heard of this thing called Missed Connections on Craigslist? Anybody heard of that? They have a little tab called Miss Connections, and what Miss Connection is, is basically when uh, uh, two people are at some place and some time, and they kind of glance, they, they, they exchange a look, and it, and it may be kind of like a, an attraction there, and for somehow, some reason, they didn't get to go and talk to that person. They just exchanged a look, and, and they really like this person. What you'll do is they feel like they missed that connection, and so they get on and they place an ad on Craigslist, and it, it kind of tells the story, hoping that that person will come and read the story and be able to now contact them and give them their phone number, and then they can hook up. Okay, that's what misconnections is. I was reading this this last week. This blew me away. I'm going to read a couple to you uh, for fun this morning. Very interesting. The first one, it, I, the, I had to read it just because of the title. The title, these were the, the words that it said, and I had to click on it. It says, eyes met during bank robbery. <laughs> Here's what he writes. He says, I know this is a long shot, but I was behind you in the line when the robbers came in and shouted, hit the floor, you tall and lovely, wearing earmuffs 
holding some kind of automotive tool. Me, tall, yellow jacket, fresh haircut, our eyes met under the desk. I was like, are you kidding me, dude? This guy is thinking that this lady caught eyes with him, and somehow all she can remember of that day is, I got to see the tall guy with the yellow jacket. No, no, dude. She is thanking God that she didn't die in the bank robbery, right? There's not going to be a connection there. Listen to this next one. It says this, so we met at this bar. That's now a Starbucks. Now, there's a reason that's now a Starbucks. Listen to this. We had a great conversation that night, and you gave me your number. I really meant to call, but I got into some serious drama that night. This guy really wrote this. Long story short, I caught a Class A felony and got 25 years in prison. I did 19, and now I'm out on good behavior, and I thought I would look you up. I guess your number's changed. Sorry for the delay. (laughs) Delay? Delay? 19 years is not a delay. That's two decades, bro. She ain't calling. You're not going to get together. The last one's my favorite. This one is called Cute in the Confessional. He writes, you were in my confessional booth today and confessed a bunch of stuff, including cursing, impure thoughts, and stealing a fish. I'm pretty sure this might go against some of my vows or something, but I snuck a peek as you left, and you were smoking hot. It gets better. Please respond with the number of Hail Marys and Our Fathers that I assigned you as penance, along with that other messed up thing that you confessed to me so that I know that it's you. I read this, and I said, you can't make this stuff up, man. This is... This is, this is crazy, and, and the reason that I read those to you, kind of for fun, but all of these people had something in common. They had missed an opportunity. Look at your neighbor say, missed opportunities. Missed opportunities, man. They, they mess with us. They, they leave us frustrated. They leave us asking the question, you know, what if? You know, what, what could have happened if I, if I got to that opportunity? Missed opportunities leaves us sometimes with a sense of regret. Like, why didn't I jump in there? Why didn't I do what I was supposed to do? And as we approach this, this story today, again, of the Good Samaritan, there's a couple guys in this story that they missed it. They missed their opportunity. It was their opportunity to step up and do something for the kingdom of God, and they just walked on past. And if you've been with us for the last two weeks, you know the story, but in case it's your first uh, day today and and you haven't been a part of this, I'll kind of catch you up. One day, Jesus was talking to this teacher of the law, and the teacher of the law came up to him to test Jesus, and and he asked him uh, a, a question, and he says, what must I do to eat? inherit eternal life. Now, we talked about this two weeks ago. In your Bible, it'll say eternal life, and that's really a horrible translation, okay? The word life there is the word zoe, which means life. That's a good translation, but the word eternal, it's not really what the English word that we need to read. All eternal is there, it's actually the the word aeonios, and it means in, 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 in this age, not in an age to come, but it's going to happen in the age that, that we're living in. And so this man is not asking how to receive access. Well, you, may, you may read that and he says, how may I inherit eternal life? He's not asking to receive access into heaven one day after he dies. No, no. What he's asking, he says, Jesus, how do I step into this incredible, this, this fulfilling life on this earth 
now and the life that I'm living in. And Jesus turns right back to him, and, and he doesn't say, we know that he's not talking about uh, heaven one day because he doesn't say, believe in me, right? That's not what he says. He goes, okay, I'll, ask her, I'll answer your question by asking you a question. What do you think that the law says? And the guy looks at him, and he says, oh, well, and he knows the law very well, and he says, well, you know, it says to love your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, and it, then it says to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus looks at him, and he's like, yeah, I like that answer. That's the right answer, and if you do what you just said, you will have life. That's what Jesus says back to him, and so this guy the Bible says, though, at that moment is looking to justify himself. What Pastor Jared preached about last week, he's looking for a loophole. Because his problem is, is, is with some people. There's, he doesn't love everybody. And we know that when he asks, who is my neighbor? This is the question that he asked Jesus. Jesus doesn't answer that question and say, this is your neighbor. Because we know that the Bible tells us we're supposed to love everybody. Everybody's our neighbor. Right? Amen? That's a good place to say amen. Everybody's our neighbor. Amen? We love all people. And so Jesus starts to speak to him and tell him this story, not to tell him how, uh, how, uh, who to neighbor, but how to neighbor. So Jesus starts telling this story, and we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. And it says this, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And so this guy, they, they messed him up really bad. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him down, and then they went away, leaving him half dead. Verse 31 says this, a priest, everybody say a priest. A priest, a priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw, everybody say saw. saw. Okay, he, he saw. And, and we talked, Pastor Jared talked about that this, this trail that he was going down, it wasn't a big, wide trail. And in fact, there's a cliff on one side you know, and there's a mountain on the other side of it. It was a really, in fact, when he saw him, he had to literally step over him to get past him, okay? And so it says that he saw him. I'm going to show you this morning that the priest and the Levite saw, not in the way that God sees people, as the good Samaritan. And that's what God's wanting us to do. He's wanting us to be able to get off our donkeys, but the way that we're going to get off our donkeys is if this morning we'll be focused and we'll start to say, God, let me see people as you see people. Because for some reason today, guys, we look at people and we place value upon them based upon the color of their skin, right? I mean, if I got Pastor Jared up here this morning and I said, would you help this guy on the side of the road? Does this guy have value? Many of you would look at him and see this you know, cool white guy, and he'd be like, yeah, man, that guy has value. But his daughter's from Haiti, and there are some people in, in, in this immediate area that would look at the color of her skin and say, well, Jesus, who's my neighbor? I don't, I don't think she has as much as value as he does. And to me, that's ridiculous. But this is what we started to see these men, were, they were seen in a different way. It says the priest saw the man. It says that the, the Levite, he saw the man. But it, then it goes in verse 33, and it says that the Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and he, he really saw. He saw that this man had value. You know, when I was growing up in Sunday school, I remember them telling us this story, and I would get mad. I would get upset. At the priest and the Levite. Do you guys know what? We read this story and you're just like, I just like, of the two guys that should have, both of them were like 
professional religious people. If anybody should have helped this guy, it was Christians, right? It's people that believe in Jehovah God, that loved God and had an active relationship with him. And I would be like, man, this makes me so mad that they don't step up and do what God wants them to do. And, and, and so this last week I was like, God, you know, why didn't they see him? Why didn't they stop and why didn't they, why didn't they help? And, and God just started to really say, Kevin, put yourself in, in their shoes. And so I did. I started to think of the priest and the Levite. Both of them would be coming from the temple at this time, okay? And this place that they came from, they both had like ceremonial duties that they had to do. And to be able to do their job, here's the thing. They had to be clean. And, and under the law back in those days, if you, ways that you could get unclean was touching anything that was dead. Another way that you could get unclean was, was touching uh, unclean blood. And so if I was a priest or a Levite and I'm walking, maybe I did see them, okay? Maybe I did see this guy. And, and who knows? Maybe I just came from the temple helping out a lot of people. You know, we're so quick to judge this guy, but maybe I just helped a bunch of people and I see this guy and I think, okay, maybe he's dead. If I touch him, then that would make me unclean and I couldn't help people in my job. I would lose my job. So I started to kind of maybe give this guy the benefit of the doubt. Another, Pastor Jared talked about it last week, this, this trail that he was on, it was called the Way of Blood and it was a very dangerous place. Uh, one thing that I would, I would kind of be cautious if I saw a guy that was beat up because uh, this probably happened many times where they would put out some bait, somebody that looked like they were hurt, somebody that looked like they needed help. And so uh, cautiously, I might look at that guy and go, well, I don't want to fall in this trap. I heard about Pastor Jared was walking down this road two weeks ago, and he took the bait, and they messed him up. And so I'm just going to step over him really quickly. I, I don't know why they didn't do it. So I started to ask God. God, I'm going to have grace for these guys. Show me, show me why. And, and here's the thing. I think a lot of us Christians, we're more like, not like the Samaritan, but we're, we're more like the, the priest and the Levite than we want to admit. We really want to judge them and be like, they didn't do it, nation. If I would have done it, I would have. And I, so I said, God, I don't want to miss opportunities. I, want, I don't want to just, you know, preach a message telling the whole church to get off their donkeys and get out there and, and, and call for action to help people and not do that. Why, why do it? And so God just started to speak to my heart. And he says, Kevin, the reason that many, including myself, are not helping people, are not getting off our donkeys is because we're not seeing people like God sees. And so I said, God, teach us. Teach us this morning. We want to see, amen, we want to see people like God sees people, amen? And so this morning, I, I, I started thinking about that, and, and uh, as I began to process all this, I started to realize that the priests and the Levite were being hindered, their vision was being hindered, and it was by a daily routine. Everybody say daily routine. I saw a commercial uh, just about a year ago. It was a Chick-fil-A commercial. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's this guy, and he's at his job, and he's down in this hole. And, and the lady comes up to him, and she's going to try to get him to start eating Chick-fil-A for breakfast. And she, she looks at the guy, and he's down in this hole, and she's like, hey, Bob, how are you doing? He's like, oh, man, I'm doing good. I'm in the groove. And he's in this hole. And she goes, you're not in a groove. You're in a rut. And he goes, rut? What are you talking about? 
And, and she starts talking to, hey, we got really good breakfast over at Chick-fil-A and, you know, stop eating whatever you're eating. And then you go, his eyes open and he's like, I am in a rut, man, I'm going to go start eating this stuff. And, and I'll tell you, there's been many times in my life where I have realized, I thought I was in the groove, Pastor Cody. I thought, man, me and God were good, and, and, and I, but I, I found myself, when I really opened my eyes, I wasn't in a groove, I was in a rut. And one of our ruts that we get in, guys, as Christians, is our daily routine. And what's scary about our daily routine, I'm, listen, I'm not saying don't have a daily routine, okay? Uh, you need to be able to have a, a daily routine, and, and there's things that we need to do daily, like prayer. There's things that we need to do daily, like read our Bible. Those are routine things. But when you get into this routine, all of a sudden, you start to think that you have everything figured out. You, you think you just already know because of this daily routine, you know how the day is going to play out. In fact, I remember, you may not believe this, but I haven't always been a pastor, Okay. And uh, probably about 20 years ago, uh, my wife and I, we got saved. We started going to church for the first time, and we were, we were excited. And I, every time the doors were open, I would go to church. And I love my church because I had church figured out. I mean, if you were asking me about church, I'd say, yeah, man, church is awesome. And I, I would say something like this. I would say, you know, I go to church, and, 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 and church is always going to be like this. I get there, and, you know, they're going to start probably four minutes late. Always, and then we're gonna we're gonna get going. The pastor's gonna come up there, and he's like, "Hey, everybody, it's good to see you, and uh, thank you for having the guest." I knew how church was gonna go, and after the pastor said that, we were gonna start some peppy songs, right? Get a, get the people going. Hey, peppy songs, we're playing peppy songs, all right? Jesus is all right, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we we're gonna bring it down, right? And it was gonna get slow, and it was gonna get emotional, right? And we were gonna get serious. And then all of a sudden, we're going to bring it back up again. And it's going to be, yeah, we love you. And, and then we were right, and, you know, oh, so emotional that uh, somebody was going to get up there and try to make us cry, right? And say something, oh, I know, I know, right? And then we were in our most emotional state. Somebody else is going to get up there and try to take my money, <laughs> right? Here, we need, we need this money for this and that. So I, I knew that was going to happen, and then all of a sudden, here came the pastor, and the, the pastor was going to get up there, and he was going to preach a, a message, and I liked our pastor. It was going to be a good message, but he better have us out before noon so I can get home and watch my Cowboys play, right? And I had it figured out. Nothing unexpected was going to happen in my life. I knew this is how church was, and because church was like that to me, that's how God was. God was kind of like a, a Coke machine. That's how I treated God. I knew that I could go to God, I could put some money in, I could press a button, and I would get whatever I wanted, whatever I needed, whatever I expected was going to come out. And then one day, God flipped the script on me, and it started to look like, watch this video right here.
You see, God's so much more unpredictable than a Coke machine. But all of us, at some time, we get into a daily routine where we think, well, this is how it's going to be. And this is what it's going to be like. And nothing unexpected is going to happen. Can I tell you, if you are going to live a life full of compassion, if you're going to live a life for the kingdom of God, unexpected things are going to happen. And you need to get to a place where you give God permission. Interrupt my life at any time of the day. If I'm going home from work and I see a person in need, I need to go and help that person. If I'm at school and I see a kid that's being bullied, I'm going to step up for that kid and I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to allow God to do unpredictable things. Interrupt my life. I'm getting out of my rut. And I'm allowing you, God, to do great and mighty things, not just in me, but through me. Why? Because I don't want to miss any opportunities. I want to stop living life in this daily routine where nothing exciting really happens. It's just me and God are good and us four and no more. No, 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 guys. God's calling us to get off of our donkeys and start to have a greater revelation, start to see people in a new Way And so today I have three things to share with you of how we're going to start to change and shift our perception and our perspective. And if you're taking notes, write these down. This first one's a little bit long, so I'm going to put it up on the Sky Bible for you. Number one, this is how we're going to do it. Instead of focusing on the destination, because that's what we do in our routine. Every day we got a destination. I'm going to go to here, to here, to here, to here. And at the end of the day, I'm going to go to sleep. And the next day, I'm going to go here to here. Guys, instead of just focusing on the destination, realize that people have a destiny that's greater than their current reality. You see this priest and this Levite, they just stepped over this guy. Why? Because they had a destination. They had a place to go. They had a place to be. I don't have time to mess with this guy. I got I to gotta get going. I got to get to the place that I'm going. They forgot to look at the guy. They forgot to see him as God saw him and see that this man, like them, is a, is a child of God. They had a destiny. This man has a destiny. And they, this man needed somebody to help, needed somebody to stop. And I was thinking about this. There's many places in the Bible where uh, people allowed God to interrupt their daily routine. One of them, I'll just let you know off the top of my head, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John. uh, This is after the day of Pentecost. They are going to go to the temple to pray. And along the way, there's a guy that John notices. But listen, they had gone on this destination day after day. They'd gone to pray every day. And they'd they'd walked by this guy who was begging every day. For some reason, they started to see John saw this guy the way that Jesus saw him. He, He got his focus off of his destination. And he started focused on this man's destiny. So he he nudges Peter and says, Peter, look at this guy. Notice this guy. Stop looking at the destination. And Peter looks at him. And he says, hey, hey, can I, can I get your attention? And the guy looks up at him, probably thinking, oh, great, I'm going to get another coin. I'm going to get another bit to put in here so that I can continue to live. And, and what does he say? He says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. Arise. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the Bible tells me that this guy got up. Why? Why? Because they stopped focusing on their destination and they saw that this guy had a destiny and they spoke God's word into this man's life. And it says that he jumped up and he went leaping, shouting, 
and praising God. Why? It was a sign to everybody else that God loves and God's here and God is about people. Second thing I want to show you this morning and that what we're going to start to do is number two, instead of, you can put it up on the, the screen, instead of focusing on the detour, realize that people are in need of deliverance. Detours get on our nerves. Have you ever been driving down the same way to work and all of a sudden they're working on that road? It's so inconvenient. Are you kidding me? Today, today when I'm running five minutes late, today's the day you decide to work on the road I've been asking you to work on for 15 years. Today's the day. The detour. And we get so focused on, on the detour and we gripe. God, you mean I have to do this? I have to go do this? And we start to look for, for loopholes. Guys, stop focusing on the detour and see that people are in need of deliverance. And guess what? This might cost you something. It might cost you something. You know, it cost the Good Samaritan resources and, and money and time. But he wasn't worried about the detour and what it was costing him. He wasn't worried about taking time out of his day to get off of his donkey and go and help this man. That's not what he was focused on. He was focused on this man needs help. This man is in need of deliverance. There's a story in John chapter 4 where Jesus it says that he was on his way to Jerusalem, but it says that he had to go to Samaria. He had to go on a detour. And why did he have to go on a detour? Why did he allow Father God to interrupt his life? It says because there was a woman there who was at a well that was in need of deliverance. And, and Jesus loves people. And so he says, God, I'll go. I'll take the detour. I'm not focusing on what it's going to cost me. I'm not focusing on the, all the inconvenience. I'm going to go because you've called me and you love this woman. And I have what she needs. And so he went. The third thing is this, instead of focusing on the dramatic, realize that God is in the daily details of our lives. So many times we, when we decide that we're going to, yeah, God, I'll get off my donkey. We want it to be dramatic. You know, we want it to be awesome and, and wonderful. And we want to be able to tell the whole church about how God used us. And it was, it was so miraculous. Don't focus on the dramatic, guys. Focus on the simple, small Details. I can imagine that if the priest and the Levite were in front of the temple where everybody could see what they were doing, they weren't by themselves, they probably would have helped this guy. Why? Because everybody could see and they could be dramatic. Oh, yes, sir. I'll help you. I am the priest. I am the Levite called by God. Oh, I'll take all the praises from the people. But when nobody else was around and nobody was looking, it was just them on the road by themselves and it wasn't dramatic. And it was just simple. He didn't do it. And so many times we, we do that. You see, God is about the simple details. And the, and the, the details in the story say that he, he used a simple wine and oil. It says that he got off his donkey. It was just a very simple thing. There wasn't lights, camera, and action. He took him to a, a simple place. It's because God cares about the small details of our life. You see, it's not that everything has to be big and flashy and dramatic, but as we're faithful in the little things. Everybody say little things. Just the little things and the small things. God will give us charge over greater things. It's about the details. That's why over and over in the scripture, they have details like the 5,000 and the, and the 3,000. Why? Why is that, pastors? Because, you know, every single one of those numbers represents a name. 
And one of those, every one of those names represents a story. And every single story matters to God. You matter to God. Everyone matters, including this guy who was beaten in the, on, the, on the side of the road and left for dead. He matters. And so, you know, if we could begin to see people as God sees people, we could not just be so focused on the destination and allow God to interrupt our lives and, and, and start to focus on people's destinies, guys. If we could be, you know, not focusing on the detours and what it's going to cost us, but focus on the deliverance of people. If we start to do this, guys, I, I promise you, in giving life, you'll find out that it's life-giving. As you meet that need, you'll see that your need is met. You'll walk into what Jesus calls the abundant life. And so, how does this play out, Pastor? How, how do we do this? Because many times we start to think, you know, I just, I just, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have the money to do this. I don't know if I have the resources to do this. Listen, Jesus was our greatest model. He was our greatest example. And, and he offered some things to us that we can read in the Bible. And so if you're taking notes, this is, I want to give you just three quick steps of how we are going to be able to get off our donkey and we're going to change the world. And it all starts with love. Everybody say love. This is what we're going to do at the exchange. Number one, we're going to love with touch. We're going to love with touch. And all the men said, amen, pastor. You know, there's an incredible story in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, and it, it says that there was a man that had leprosy, and he came and he knelt before the Lord, and he said, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. And this last week, I started to look into what is leprosy, because I, there's, it's not common anymore. In the Bible, it was a very common disease. Um, so I started to do some research on Google, and some pictures pulled up. And I couldn't show you those pictures today. They were way too disgusting and gross. But what I, what I found was this. Uh, the way that it would start was like a little skin rash, some bumps. And all of a sudden, it would, it would turn into a very huge rash. And at, at some point, it would overtake your whole body, and it would start to attack your vocal cords. It would ruin your voice so you couldn't speak. People couldn't recognize even your, your voice all of the muscles in your face would start to contort. And by the end of what all this that you were going through, you would not be able to recognize this person. This is the guy in the story that Jesus comes to. This is the, the destiny that Jesus is looking at. In fact, um, what I found out from research is um, you would, once you got the disease, leprosy, uh, the most that anybody would live was 10 years. So it was a death sentence as well. And the Bible says this. It, it says that he says, Jesus, you can make me clean. And check out what happens. Jesus, it says in verse 3, we'll put it up on the, the sky Bible for you. Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, it says that Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. He touched him, pastor. This is before, you know, hand sanitizer was even invented, guys. Come on. This guy was disgusting. He had leprosy. It was awful. I, I, I thought to myself, if the man with leprosy and all this stuff approached me and asked me for help, would my first inclination be to reach out and touch him? Be to ever touch this man? No, it wouldn't. I would probably step back. But what did Jesus do? He reached out, the Bible says, and he touched that man. 
And I'm thinking, well, why didn't he just say be healed? Because how many know in the Bible, there's several times where Jesus, just by the power of his word, he would say, be healed. And, you know, one time he just said, Lazarus, come forth into a cave. And all of a sudden, somebody that was dead came back to life. How many know there's power in Jesus' voice? Why didn't Jesus just say the word? Could it be that Jesus touched this man because the disease that he was actually suffering from wasn't really leprosy, but it was loneliness and isolation and rejection? You know, there's people on your road, on your Jericho road, every day that you come in contact with. And, and this is what they're, still, they're struggling with, loneliness isolation, rejection. Nobody wants to reach out and touch their lives. And, you know, there's a, there's a time of the service that we have every week that I call meet and greet. You know, it's after we have an awesome time of worship and it's before we transition to sitting down in our seats and we ask you guys to go find somebody and hug their neck or shake their hand and tell them you're glad to see them. And we've had some people come up to us and say, uh, do we really have to do that, Pastor? I'm just not really a people person. And yes, yes, we do have to do that. And yes, in this house, we're going to continue to do that because in this house, we do compassion. And I know it may not do anything for you. You may be doing great and you may be getting all the love that you need and you just feel, you know, so complete. But there's people that come here every week that they don't get a hug in the week. They don't have somebody come up to them and shake their hand and tell them they're glad to see them. This is the only place people need a hug. I'm going to ask my friend Chris. Uh, Chris, you need a hug this morning. Come up here, Chris. Everybody give Chris a hand as he comes up here this morning. Come on, buddy. Come give me, hug it out, man. Come up here and give me that big old loving Chris hug. Yes. Oh. Chris, I just want to say this, man. You know, we've been here for a little over a year now. And your family, y'all just latched on to us and have just loved us from, from day one. And uh, it's been awesome. Um, I, I look forward to coming to church. One of the reasons I look forward to coming to church is because Uncle Buck's going to be able to say hi right. to his family. And you know what I, I saw when we went through this transition of coming over to this new building? I saw you be a great example of serving. You and your family, y'all came over here, y'all helped in the, get in from that church to this church, and it helped and paint, and at one time you tried to do too much and you fell through the ceiling. <laughs> but that's okay, and I just want to tell you this morning that I love you and I appreciate you. Y'all give, y'all give Chris a hand this morning. Now, doesn't that feel good? The hug was a little awkward, I know. <laughs> but people, the way that we're going to love people is through touch, okay? And we're going to reach out to a world that's hurting, man, a world that, that, needs, that needs love. The second way we're going to love people and reach out to them on the, our Jericho Road, number two, is we're going to love people by listening. Amen. Listening. Write that down, Listening. I think in our rush, and what I see on Facebook, our rush to argue these days, us as Christians, we've lost the art of listening. And by that, I, I mean listening to truly understand somebody. 
to understand where they're at and what they're going through. Not, not listening to agree or disagree, but just to understand somebody. You know, there's an old saying that says this, are you listening or are you just preparing to speak? Recently, I heard somebody from Europe speak on the subject of communication in America, and he said this, Americans aren't listening, they're just reloading. Ouch. It certainly does describe a lot of the kinds of communication that seems to be coming out of the church today. Have you ever been the victim of somebody who is really good at not listening but reloading? You know what I mean? They can make eye contact. They can lean forward. They can, they can occasionally in the conversation throw out a, oh yeah, I, I see, and make every outward appearance that they're actually being attentive to what you're saying. I'm talking about the person who has become highly skilled in what I call malicious listening. The malicious listener has mastered the art of listening with the not-so-hidden motive. This person listens to prove you wrong and uses your own words to make their case. They can listen so they can get words, and they'll say words like this. Well, you said, no, 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 what you said. This is what you said. And then they have a snide comment about how wrong you are. I've talked about the person that's skillful and reloading. The only problem with this kind of listening is that very little actual listening ever takes place. Surely you've had an experience with somebody who can repeat back to you what you just said, but they completely missed what you were saying. They completely missed the message. They can be incredibly good at using your words against you. They may hear your words, but they really don't hear you. And the sad truth is this is a lot of churches and Christians today. Listen, it's been me. From time to time, I'm telling you, you see, the real point of listening has little to do with words the other person is using and everything doing with what underlying message that person is going through. Listen to understand is quite different from listening to prove a point or pick a fight or win an argument. Yeah, but you said, that's the common, that's the common phrase of somebody that listens to argue, that listens to, to reload. My mentor told me years ago, the first duty of love is to listen. He also said listening is one of the highest forms of caring. Imagine what a conversation or even a disagreement might be like if it was based upon loving and caring. I'm talking about caring enough to truly understand where a person is coming from. A person that's completely different than you and believes completely different than you. There's an old cliche that says relationship problems are really communication problems. And now it's going to be reframed as all business problems are communication problems. But listen to this. The problem with communication problems is that way too many people think that communication means you need to say more. That's not the problem. We don't need to say more. We need to listen more. And that's what really matters. There's quite a big difference between talking to somebody who's listening to understand what you have to say and somebody that's just listening to argue with you. And we as Christians have got to stop trying to argue with everyone that we come in contact with that doesn't believe the same way we do. And now we I argue with them on Facebook and we go into these huge fights, man. We, we've got to stop doing that. We've got to start being good listeners. At the exchange, we're going to people that love through listening. Yeah. 
And I'll tell you that Jesus was a great example of this. Right after Jesus dies, he goes to the death, burial, and resurrection. The first thing that he does after he's resurrected is he goes to a road where there's two guys who are traveling on this road, and they are downtrodden. They are upset because in their heart, they had put all their faith in Jesus, and the way that they had heard him talk about a kingdom, they thought it was going to be a kingdom now, and that he was going to be this governmental, you know, army leader that was going to overtake the Roman Empire, and it all accumulates to a point where they see him be put up on a cross by these Roman soldiers and killed and murdered. And they're like, this is not how we thought it would end. This is not what we thought would happen. And and Jesus, the first thing he does after his resurrection is he goes to these guys in the stories in Luke chapter 24, verse 17, and it says that he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along, guys? And they stood still, their faces downcast. They didn't recognize who he was. They, They were upset. In verse 18, it says, one of them named Cleopas asked him, he says, are you the one, the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? Now, wait just a minute. You know, Jesus, he could, have, he could have showed up and said, ta-da, I'm here. You know, it's not over. Believe in me. We're going to do this. Let's celebrate. But he didn't do that. Check out what he did. When they asked him, are you the only one that doesn't know what has happened? He said, what things? He asked them a question that he wanted to listen. Why? Why? Because he needed to understand them. He needed to hear them. He wanted to listen to what they had to say and what they were going through. He wanted to hear them get their hurt out and be able to speak. You see, if we could get to a place where we begin to really just listen and hear what people have to say today and now then just love them through that, we would live an incredible life. Think about this. That's why God's blessed us with only one mouth and two ears. Because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. James chapter 1 verse 19 says this, be quick to listen and slow to speak. So we're going to love, we're going to love people through listening. We're going to love people through touch. And this is the last one. We're going to love people with time. Right after this story uh, that we have just been going over in, uh, about the Good Samaritan. It's in Luke chapter 10. That story is from uh, verse 25, and it goes through to verse 37. But then 38, the actual next verse, it picks up this incredible count that I want to I close with today. And in verse 38, it says, And Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home. Now, let's just think about this. Jesus... To say that he was busy is to say the least. Because his ministry period on this earth was three and a half years. Okay? And so we read in that three and a half years, things that were written down as he was healing people, and he was raising people from the dead, and he's going about doing all of these great works. He's doing this every day. And the Bible tells us the things that he performed in that three and a half years, that if you try to write all of them down, it says that the, all the books in the Bible would not be able to contain them. So how many know that Jesus was busy? Right? You think you're busy? No. Jesus was really, really busy. And so he's going along and he knows there's all these people in need. There's all these people that need to be healed. And in the middle of all of that, the Bible takes us to this story where Jesus stops. He interrupts his routine. And he takes time to go and sit with people that he loved. He didn't take people for granted. 
Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus were like family to him. He loved them with all of his heart. And, and so in this story, Jesus stops all of his, of his busyness and he goes and he sits down and we pick up the story in verse 39. It says that uh, Martha had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So while he's hanging out with them, uh, Martha gets upset. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has asked me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few, few things are needed. And indeed, only one. Everybody say one. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken from her. How many of us are like Martha? You know, pastors standing up here and saying, we got to get off our donkeys, and we got we to gotta take time and do all this. How many of us, if I would ask you to do, how are you doing today? Your response would probably be, I'm just so busy. I'm busy. And we get so busy with the busyness of life and all of the, the responsibilities that we have that we, we forget to focus on the things that are really important. Listen, it's because we fill our lives with the immediate instead of focusing on what's important. The very things that are in front of us. You see, we fill our lives with what's urgent, with what's right in front of us instead of taking time to realize what's truly important. And what's important? People. Everybody say people. I is. You is. People are important. The people that you do life with, the people that are in your school, that are at your workplace, the people that are on the street that you're walking past on everyday life. People are important. They matter to God. And because they matter to God, they matter to us. So we're going to love them with touch. If they need a hug, I got a hug for you. If they need somebody to listen, I'm going to sit and truly listen. And we're going to love them with time. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here and, and help me close this morning. Um, if you walked in this morning, I hope that you got one of these communion cups. If you didn't, um, if you could just raise your hand right now and we'll have somebody take you one. I'm going to ask if you would stand this morning. You know, guys, people are important. And it, it, is, it is vitally important that we realize that, that we start to see people as Jesus saw them, and we get off our donkey. We get out there and we start, we start truly loving people. And, and we get to a place where it's no more missed opportunities, right? No more having the opportunity and seeing somebody that needs to be loved, that needs help, that has a destiny. No more distractions. Us being focused. God, I'm going to serve as you served. And the greatest example of a servant, the greatest example of love, our greatest example is who? Jesus. And uh, it's, it's awesome to me that the, the gospel of, of John records this, that there was a, a night that Jesus was going to celebrate with his disciples. And it, it, it's recorded, it tells us that the Passover meal was time for that, and, 
And so, so Jesus, before they went over to, to partake in this Passover meal, he said, just a second, guys, that, that can wait. I want to do something. And so he went and grabbed a, a basin full of, of water, and he grabbed a towel. And it's amazing to me that what he did, he, uh, he set all of his disciples down, and he started to wash their feet. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Um, God has personally spoken to me several occasions to go and wash somebody's feet. And it's very humbling. And so he starts to wash their feet. You know, one of the guys pop up and say, don't wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. And, but Jesus ultimately is trying to get a message to them that he who wants to be greatest in the kingdom must be a servant to all. See, there was, a, there was a guy normally at these people's homes that he was a servant, and he was one of the lowest people in the house, and he was the one, it was his job to wash the feet. Because back then they had sandals, and sometimes they didn't even wear shoes, and they didn't have paved roads like we do. They had paths, and we're talking about getting off their donkeys. They had donkeys who would leave a little surprise, and all that stuff, it got, it was the lowest of the low that washed people's feet. And what was Jesus saying? He's saying, I left all of the glory of heaven not to be served, but to serve. And so, you know, this morning as we prepare to partake in communion, I want us to be mindful of that. This is not just a good idea that we came up with. Oh, it's a fun series. Get off your donkey and serve people. No, it's a, it's a legacy that Jesus left us. People matter. Why are you here today? Because somebody saw you and saw that you mattered. They reached out to you and they served you. So, after all that was over, Jesus said, let's go over here to the table. And part of this Passover meal, they would have, um, it's a little bit different than the loaves of bread that we buy today, but they had bread. And Jesus, he took the bread, and I want everybody to go ahead and take this. See, for generation and generation they had done this and there was a lot that these things in this Passover meal represented. It was all pointing towards the Lamb of God who would come one day and now he's standing in front of them. And he takes the bread and he says, I know that you've always thought that this was one thing, but... He says, my body is about to be broken. And he looked at his friends. And he said, I do this for you. And he goes, you know, after I leave, I want y'all to keep doing this. He tells his friends, his disciples, I want y'all to keep coming together. 
And every time that you eat this, I want you to remember. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so, guys, that's what we're about to do. And I'm going to ask Pastor Jay this morning if you would just, before we eat this, lead us in a, a just a prayer of thanksgiving for the broken body of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you so much for sending your son. Christ, I know that your body was broken not just for our bodies, but it was to heal the broken hearts to heal the emotional pains and the sores that we have, God, that we inflict upon ourselves, that other people have inflicted upon us. God, the, the shame, the guilt, the pain, the betrayal. You died for us to be healed from those things. God, your body was broken. Thank you so much for that. I thank you so much for everything that you have done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this, and I'm going to just ask you all for, to partake this morning. So, after the meal was over, Jesus, he went and he started to pour the wine and he looked at his friends and served them all and he said this he said this is what this represents he said this is my blood that represents the new covenant I'm so thankful for the new covenant. I'm so thankful for grace. He says it's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. See, you and I, there's there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to earn righteousness. That's what was wrong with the old covenant. God knew it was impossible, and so because of love, because he loves people, sent his son who established through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He established a new covenant where you and I can have a perfect relationship with Father God. So I'm going to ask Pastor Jared this morning, could you lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving for the, the blood of Jesus? Father, for years, for hundreds and hundreds of years, people offered sacrifices God just trying to gain forgiveness gain access to you God through the shedding of, of the blood of, of animals God you came and you did it once and the moment that you hung on that cross and, and the blood began to flow from your body God it was done it became the finished work God and, and through that sacrifice Lord you made us perfect God, we've been made perfect in the eyes of God because you did that for us, Jesus. God, you did what, what the law couldn't do. You did what, what man couldn't do. You did what, what priests and religious people could not do. You came, Jesus, and you sacrificed your life for us. 
And, and as, we, as we take this, this cup, as we drink this juice, it's a representation for us daily. And it's a representation for us weekly that every time we do this, we're reminded that you paid a price. That it wasn't yours to pay. It wasn't your debt to pay, but you did it. And you did it for us. And because of that, we now live in grace. We live in freedom from, from the law. We live in freedom from sin and death. We live in freedom from the bondage that tries to hold us back. God, we have life to the fullest, God. Yes. And we live that life now, Jesus, thanks to your sacrifice on the cross for us. And so we say, thank you. Thank you, God, for the blood that was shed for my sin. It's so amazing to me what Jesus did. And it's what life is all about, guys. It's the reason that we need to get off our donkey. In a response to his love, how will you live? we teach here the complete forgiveness of sin for years I heard people say if you tell people they're completely forgiven of their sins they're going to go out and do whatever they want to do and my response to that is people have been doing whatever they want to do forever that's the key what do you want to do when I come face to face with the love of Jesus Christ and what he did for me. I can tell you right now, although I'm completely forgiven, I don't want to run out and rob a bank. I don't want to run out and do some crazy sin. In a response to his love, I want to love people. I want to serve people. In a response to what he's done in my life. So let's, let's just pray. Father, all about you. You're the reason. You're the reason for everything. The, the reason that we get a, up in the morning and so many times we get so busy. We do. We get in these, these ruts, these daily routines. I thank you that through your love and your grace that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The message today is not one of condemnation. It's one of exhortation. It's one of, of building us up. And, and Father, we are so full of your love. You said that out of our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. That's our prayer. No more missed opportunities. Help us to see people as you see people. Help us to see the destiny that somebody once saw in us and then helped us. That's our prayer. It's all about your kingdom and all about your glory. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen.